You're listening to Life with Impact. Join us as we continue to rediscover the heart of Jesus together. Well, hello, Impact. Thanks for joining us. Uh, My name's Dustin. I'm the lead pastor here at Impact and just crazy honored to be a part of your journey to know Jesus and to discover what life with Jesus is all about. If you're watching on our virtual service, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Maybe you're listening on a podcast like Spotify or iTunes or something like that. No matter what you're doing right now, thanks for making this Uh, Our message series, a part of your discipline for this week. We're honored and I'm grateful. So we're in week three of our Lent series, doing Lent together as a church for the very first time. And actually, this is the very first time I've ever done it, period. I've never had Lent as a part of my liturgy personally or corporately. And so this has been amazing. It's been awesome. Um, I loved week one. I got the chance to sort of give an introduction to what Lent is, which meant I had to... I had to do some research on my own to figure out what it even is. And and one of the things that I sort of uh, discovered for me is that Lent is a spiritual. I mentioned that in week one. What I mean by that is like an annual physical. You go to the doctor to get an annual physical to check in on yourself. Like how is my blood pressure and, and how's my pulse rate and all those things. It helps you ha- kind of have an understanding of what's happening in your body so you can prevent something catastrophic. You know, if you catch it early enough, it might be simple to treat it and to diagnose it. And I actually think that's what Lent is all about. It's about us leaning into the heart of the Father, kind of asking the Holy Spirit to search us, to take inventory of what's in our hearts, what's in our lives, exposing us. Like I mentioned last week, that we would actually pray the kinds of prayers that says, expose us. Man, what a difficult prayer to pray. So you, this is week three, but you know, the week two message, I ended up just needing to break and, and cut in half. So I'm going to pick up where we started off last week. We're looking at a story of a man named Achan in Joshua chapter seven. I titled the message, Achan was robbed, but I didn't get a chance to sort of unpack why Achan was robbed. All we got to last week is that Achan did the robbing, but this week, As we pick up where I cut it last week, we're going to look at the fact that Achan not only robbed God, but Achan himself and Achan's family were all also robbed of the things that God had in store for them. So this is week two of our uh, kind of two-part message series about Achan, and it's week three of our Lent series. So thanks for being a part of it. Let's just pick up right where we left off last week. I'm I'm so grateful that you checked in. Uh, Feel free to join us in person at 9 or 11 a.m. every single Sunday, but I'm grateful that you chose to make this a part of your your week as well. If you have any questions, reach out to us or find us online at www.lifewithimpact.com. I love you guys. Let's go. Moving on quickly for the sake of time. So we've seen that Every disobedience is detrimental, has devastating effects, that sin has lots of stages. And then number three, the third or fourth thing is sometimes an honest lament is just honestly too late. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 6 through 9, Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay. This is lament by very definition. They threw dust on their heads. Remember when we did this for Ash Wednesday, it's a sign of lamenting, taking the time to... To sit in the realities of what our sin has done. 
And so Joshua and the elders did those things and they bowed their face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, getting in the presence of God. And Joshua cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? Did you know that Joshua here begins to turn this around on God and to say, God, what have you done? Let me just give you a snapshot. There are some, there are times that there have been times in my life that the division that I have brought to a team, this team, this community, my family. There are people that are going, why are you doing this, God? And I know it's because of me that I'm not dealing honestly with what I brought to this situation. And there are people that I care a lot about that are crying out, going, what is wrong? And I know I am the one who is bringing this to this family. But as you know, what's interesting is Joshua is responding because of the people, the, the, the battle of Ai going so bad and 36 men being killed, the courage being melted away. And can I bring your attention to the fact that Joshua should have prayed before the battle. He prayed before the battle of Jericho. And because he prayed before the battle of Jericho, the walls came tumbling down. He decided, I think I'm good. We're on a roll. The, uh, the courage is running high. And so he chose to not pray before this one. And it went tragically south. And Joshua was going, what in the world is going on, God? Can I just say that when sin has entered the camp, the prayer has to happen before we lose everything. And my prayer going into this week is, God, will you please, before we lose everything, before courage is melted away, will you expose those things in our camp that we need to expose so that we can bring it to the light and we can begin to do the work to restore that thing? Before all courage is melted away and the consequence of sin is fully brought to the surface and death is it, it ensues on all of us. Can you, can you show us these things before courage melts away? If Joshua would have prayed before the battle of Ai, he would have heard the voice of the Lord say there's sin in your camp. So my prayer for us is before courage is melted away and before this honest lament is just honestly too late, those 36 men are dead. And my prayer is that before it's honestly too late that we would honestly deal with sin in the kind of way that would say, Father, I want to expose this to avoid the devastating reality that death that sin brings, which ultimately it leads to death. Sometimes an honest lament is honestly too late. Moving on quickly, I've got so much more to say, but for the sake of time, the last of the four, and this is where the hope of heaven, the promise of our God, whose character has always been this in the New and the Old Testament, that failure isn't the final word. And that is good news. Family, that is good news. Failure is not the final word. It is brutal. It is ugly. It is hard. And there are some things that will die because James reminds us that sin ultimately leads to death. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 24, after Achan 
admitted that he had sinned, that now we pick up from there. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his goats, his tent, and everything he had, and they brought them to the Valley of Achor, which is the same name. Achan means trouble, and a name. Achor means the place of trouble. And Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you and all of the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and they burned their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which remains to this day, the day when it was written. And that is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. And so now the Lord was no longer angry. It sounds harsh. But even in the New Testament passage, James reminds us that sin is ultimately going to lead to death. Now, here's the thing. For, for you and I, we have one that, that has, has stood on behalf of us in the place of, of death. His name is Jesus. And, and, and the only way we can reconcile our sins back to God so that God is no longer angry is a death sacrifice that Jesus decided to take on, knowing that you and I would have to ultimately, even though even if we could die and gave up our lives, we're not a perfect sacrifice, so we could never fully atone for our sins. So Jesus came on our behalf, and he was the death that makes us right with God. A death had to happen, and I'm here to give you the good news, and this is part of the first message that I preached today. The first of two messages and that is that death had to happen so that you could have right standing with God but there's also got to be death to the things the sin that you committed has to ultimately be put to death that you put away the people of Israel Joshua and his people they said we don't want this silver we don't want this gold we don't want this robe we don't want anything to do with these things that have been marked by jealousy and stinginess and and the otherness of God we don't want anything to do with them there was a death to these things that they thought was more important than the will of God in their life there was a, a putting away a dying to the things that they had once chosen to put before them in God and now they were saying we are going to die to this thing and there has to be a death to this thing that you are doing that ultimately once and for all has to say no more I know this thing is bringing death and destruction I know as I sit here feeling the effects and the consequences of my sin <coughs> I feel the effects of it ultimately sending Jesus to the cross and I sit here in the sackcloth and ashes reality of the fact that my sin sent Jesus to the cross and I now need to put these things away, bring them to the surface and expose them so that they can be once and for all buried and I'm not asking for you to expose them to me I'm not asking for you to expose them to this church if you need help coming alongside of you in the journey of putting them away, we are here for you but I'm inviting you to even now begin to say God, you already know what they are. My pulse is racing. My hands are sweating because I already know that you know. And this is me confessing and saying, I need to bury these, unroot these things out of my life. Like Achan buried a robe and some, some silver and some gold under his tent. He had to go and unbury those things and bring them and lay them before the people of God and say, I've sinned and I need to get these things out of my life. 
And right now there are some things that you've buried that you need to surface and lay them before God and say, I need to expose these things. So I'll, I'll ask you even now, I'm not even done with the message, but begin to speak those things and say, God, you know my private browsing history. You know this thing I'm stealing from you and I'm taking, I'm stealing from this or company or this organization. This this relationship is not mine to have. This is a cheap substitution. This, you know what it is. I don't have to say it. You already know what it is. And God is saying, unbury that root of bitterness, unbury that root of unforgiveness, unbury that, that heart of gossip that you have, that just that root of destruction that you have. Just unbury it and let's deal with it and get it out in the open once and for all. Because ultimately, failure doesn't have to be the final word. And I love this. It's not only is it the, the same way with Jesus, who Achan had to give up his life and it cost him everything so that the, the, the anger of the Lord would be kindled. But, but Jesus did that for you and I. Jesus made it to where the anger of the Lord was kindled because of what Jesus did. But even in the Old Testament, God has been all about saying, can we do something new here? Can we, the prophet, I, I forget where, I think I forget which prophet says it, but the whole beauty from ashes reality. And God even says it in Hosea. He says it once in Isaiah chapter 65, 10. I'll encourage you to read it. He says that the valley of Achor would be filled with pastures again. That, that, and Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah is saying that the valley that was a valley of trouble would once again be lush with green pastures. That's what God wants to do in the people of Israel. But in Hosea chapter 2, the prophet Hosea says to his people, Therefore, behold, this is the prophet talking about the heart of God. I will allure her. I will get my people and bring her into the wilderness. And I will speak ten tenderly there in the wilderness, in the broken places, in the dry places, the places of dryness that, that, that she created. And God says, and there I will give her vineyards. I will make the valley of Acre a door of hope. The place that was supposed to be a barren place of trouble will actually be the doorway of hope. Watch what I can do with this thing that ultimately was a, a, a moment of defeat and devastation. God says, I can bring hope. That can be the, the threshold of hope. The message says the same passage like this. And now here's what I'm going to do. God says, I'm going to start all over again. I'm taking her back out into the wilderness where we had our first date. And I'm going to court her there. I'll give her bouquets of roses. I'll turn heartbreak valley into acres of hope. There are some heartbreak valleys that are listening to this right now, that are watching this right now. And God is saying, if you will just unbury those things, I can take heartbreak valley and I can turn it into acres of hope. There is a reality that I'm asking you to consider today. And that is the consequence and the cost of sin is deep and wide. My grandpa used to sing a song and the song was an old cathedral song. He, he turned it into his own version of a bluegrass gospel song. And the lyric said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And I remember hearing that song as an 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kid in churches all across the tri-state area, Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana, Ohio, Hearing that song night after night, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And there are some of you that are listening to that right now, and you're going, how well I know that. I thought it was going to be a one-time thing, but instead it's just latched onto me, and it's ultimately heading me straight down to the spot of desolation. That this one thing that I thought I could bury and get away with has ultimately become a valley of trouble for me. 
Can I read you a couple verses? Luke chapter 8, verse 17. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to the light and made known by all. That's the very voice of Jesus. Jesus himself says, For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open. Everything that is concealed will be brought to the light and made known by all. Psalm 98, You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins. You already see them all. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including the secret thing, whether good or bad. We will be judged. Jeremiah 23, 24. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? He said, Lord, this, the Lord says, am I not everywhere in all the heavens and in all the earth, says the Lord. Where are you going to hide? Where are you going to hide, family? You think you're getting away with that thing? You, you might, your spouse might not know. Your kids might not know. Your employer might not know. Your small group might not know. And I might not know. But God knows. And he's calling you right now with the kindness and generosity that wants to turn that place of trouble and turn it into, into a valley of hope. Acres of hope can begin right now. That's what God wants to do. I said I would call my second message, Aiken was robbed. Because Achan died at the end of chapter 7 of Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, after having to kill one of their own, the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all of your fighting men, and now attack I. For I have given you the king of I, his people, his town, and his land. Check this out. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho. But this time, you can keep the plunder and all of the livestock for yourselves. Achan was robbed. He was a couple of days away from God giving him everything. He had to sneak out a robe, a little bit of silver and a little bit of gold and somehow so that he could get it out discreetly so that no one would know and bury it to where it's absolutely useless because how's he, what's he going to do with it? He can't, he can't parade around in his beautiful robe he stole it. He's got to keep it buried. He's got silver and gold that he can't do anything with because he's not allowed to have it in the first place. And if he would have just waited on God's timing, it all could have been his. Aiken was robbed. And some of us, if you are anything like me, you are settling for such a cheap, lame, horrible substitution for what God wants to do, but you won't do it his way. The uh, missionary, Jim Elliott, he's got a quote. God always gives his best choice. No, God, oh, I'm sorry. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. I'm not going to, for the sake of the time, even try to pronounce this. But if you're watching on video, you'll see all of those things right there, right? That's 31 different cities and kings that Joshua and his army defeated. And as far as we can tell, in every single one, God gave them permission to take all that they wanted. They could have it all. 
Aiken could have had a new home, brand new cattle, brand new livestock, new cars, new money in the bank, uh, education fund for his kids, but instead he wanted to do it his way. He decided to rob from God and to keep something that wasn't his. And Aiken, thinking he was robbing God, ultimately was robbed of all of the amazing things that God had in store for him. Family, can I encourage you? Don't settle for cheap imitations. That thing that you have been thinking about that I'm not even going to try to go down a list for the sake of time and, and ask for you to consider you already know what it is and I'm asking you to be obedient to God. And to even now in this moment, say it in your spirit, maybe mumble it under your breath. If you're on a jog or you're in your car, just say it out loud right now and say, God, you know it's there. You've exposed it and I need to dig it out and help me. Give me the strength to right now as I lament the reality of what my sin is costing me and what my sin is costing those that I love, what my sin is costing my family, my church, my, all of the places that I'm a part of, what my sin is costing me. I feel the weightiness of it right now and I pray you'd give me the strength to begin the journey of repentance that will ultimately lead to reconciliation. This is what it means to lament and it is heavy and it is hard. Oh, but family, it is worth it. May we take the time this Lent season to live in the heavy realities of what our sin can do. Eternally, our slate's been wiped clean. In the here and now, we can destroy all the good things that God wants to do, wreaking havoc on our lives. And some of our choices that we're making right now are doing that exact same thing. Don't take from God. God wants to give you his very best. He just wants for you to leave the decision about what that is up to him. I'll pray for you, God. I pray this message would find the heart of every person who's listening and watching in a way that would spur us on to a deeper understanding of what you're doing, what you're calling us to, what you're calling us away from. God, let this season be marking something brand new that though we might feel the effects of sin, the heaviness of sin, though we, though there are folks that are very, very literally, God, and I, and I, I, I pray this prayer. And you know, we, we've talked about this. We, you, you and I have had to have this conversation because I would never get up here and sit, turn this camera on and plan to post this onto the web without me have first done the work that says this message is so for me and for the propensities that I have to rob from you, to take from you. I have destroyed the things that you've given me out of your generosity. I have robbed you over and over and over again. And so, God, you have shown me that there is a better way and I'm learning how to forfeit the things that I think I want so that you can give me the things that you want me to have and every single time you have blown my mind you have never cheat me you've never give, given me a cheap imitation of anything I've settled for cheap imitations constantly but what you want to give me is something that blows my mind and you want to give us as a church us as individuals and our families you want to blow our minds teach us help us draw us out of cheap imitations and blow our minds, Father. I pray that though the that there are some, even our church in some ways, feels our courage melt away when we look at some of the challenges that lay before us. And if part of that 
is the need to expose sin in ourselves. That we take our time in the sackcloth and the ashes, sitting before you saying, then if that's the case, then expose us. That's my prayer. I pray it over me. Even now on camera, knowing it's going to go to the World Wide Web, you do what you have to do to bring your very best to us as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Life with Impact. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Life with Impact. And to watch the full virtual service, make sure to check us out on YouTube at Impact CC. Have a great week.